0: Our Father, we come to you as your children. Please, may your will therefore be done. In Jesus' name, Amen. I do like that second song, Never Alone. We are never alone. Uh, The Lord is with us at all times when we are his children. Our Friends, we all desire to see things flourish or flourishing. Uh, don't we? I think we do. Like I want to see NHA flourishing, (laughs) don't you? For example, if you have your own business you want to see it flourish. For example, if you work in a large company you'll probably want your department to flourish and succeed. For example, if you teach in a school you want the kids you teach to flourish in life therefore turn up, (laughs) Uh, to accept your instruction, to respond to it and to grow into maturity. The notion or this notion of flourishing is even more true in the case of your own children. As you model a lifestyle, as you teach your children what you believe to be important and as you discipline them, uh, nurture them and train them in the things of life, uh, your fervent hope is that they will accept your teaching, uh, respond to it, to grow into a maturity that makes you proud of them. Nothing gives parents a greater joy than to see his or her own children flourish, I would add flourish in the Lord. And this same thing is for pastors of churches. Nothing should give me greater joy than to see you flourish. Nothing should make me happier than to see us growing up in the Lord. Nothing gives more pleasure and satisfaction than to see one's own church family accepting God's teaching, uh, responding to it, and to therefore grow to maturity. Nothing compares to that. Nothing Conversely, nothing gets a church leader down more than a seeming lack of response to God's word and a lack of response to the testimony and example of one's own life. This is how it is for all who have a responsibility for teaching and training people in the Lord, whether in NHA leadership, NHA kids, NHA youth, yes, we are getting onto it. <laughs> NHA home groups, uh, many starting this week over a meal, and you'll soon hear about it from your leader, hint leaders. <laughs> NHA play group, about to start. NHA ESL, we probably need to get onto that one. <laughs> or Scripture Union, school chaplains. We all want to see and I guess like you too, we all want to see people flourishing in the Lord. That is how it should be for all who are teaching or involved in leadership of God's church, also including Christian religious instruction at state schools during the week, CRI. Nothing gives you greater joy than to see or hear about others, no matter what age they are, Flourishing in the Lord. Yes, I like that word. It's a good one. (laughs) Flourishing. And that's how it is for church pastors. And that's also how it was for the Apostle Paul and his mates. And that's how it's always been in most areas of life. We want to see people flourishing. As I've said, uh, we need to realise that Paul, Silas and Timothy wanted to see how this church plant in Thessalonica was going. That's what's behind this letter. After all, they'd only spent a little time there, <laughs> maybe three weeks. Now, Paul has been separated from Silas and Timothy because he keeps getting hammered for telling people about Jesus and so keeps moving on. Yes, it is hard to keep track of where Paul is at times. I'm glad. I'm, I'm really glad we got his letters. They tell us where he is. <laughs> and so, what does one do? Uh, there are no telegrams back then. Uh, they, I think, they came in in, 19, uh, uh, in 1800. No social media back then. I think that came in 1997. To find out how things were going in Thessalonica. So they sent back to this fledgling church a guy called Timothy. After all, he is Greek, not a Jew, and would probably go fairly unnoticed to see how they're going. It shows us today how much they thought of their brothers and sisters, their new brothers and sisters in this very new church. That they had originally planted. So let's pick things up in verse one of chapter three. We're on page 1795 of the church provided Bibles. Yes, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and I'll reread the first six verses. Unless you want to come up the front and reread them again, Christine. No, you're okay. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, so when we could stand it no longer, <laughs> I like the way he writes. When we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way. As you well know, for this reason, he says it again, <laughs> when I could stand it no longer, I was sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you. See, even though we live in a very physical world, it is very spiritual. And Paul knows that and that our labours therefore might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. So Timothy, a maid of Paul's and Silas's, goes to Thessalonica, visits the church there and when he and Silas eventually catch up with Paul, it's all good news they bring. And what's the good news? The church in Thessalonica is flourishing. It would, be, it would not be different, or very different, to Glenn Davies, I'm sure you know who he is, hearing down the track that NHA is flourishing. In today's uh, portion of this letter, Paul wants to share something of just how ecstatic he is at the news of their survival and growth. Firstly, he wants them to be in no doubt about his concern for them. He had left knowing that they were vulnerable, but he had not left, yes, not left by choice. And he wants them to be quite clear about this. We're actually told a lot of detail about how Paul felt about it all. He obviously wants them to know things. Uh, In chapter 2, verse 17, he says, But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you, some translations have the words, torn away from you, If I were suddenly torn away from you, I think I would have similar concerns for you. Often, I look at your faces and realise how precious you are becoming to me. And so, I will really miss you when I am away from you uh, in April. It seems that That is when I need to go to Rwanda in Africa. Who's been to Rwanda in Africa? (laughs) Did you see the gorillas? (laughs) It seems to be the Lord's will, not mine. (laughs) And as some of you know, I've been asked to go for the five-yearly international GAFCON, Global Anglican Future Conference there. I must admit that I'm not sure who's more concerned about it all. (laughs) Sue or me. (laughs) Anyway, I am only away for one week. (laughs) Yes, one week. Well, for Paul, not only was he torn away for a much longer period of time, but he wants them to know how hard he personally had tried to return but had been prevented And how had he been prevented? Well, Craig told us at the start of the service. We're told in verse 18 of chapter 2, but Satan blocked his way. Hmm. Yes, Satan is that powerful. We are never alone. And yes, life is spiritual. That's spiritual. We are probably tempted by him to think that life is just physical. It's not. Yes, Satan had his presence felt, as he will, and tries to thwart the gospel's work. That's his trade. (laughs) Dan, talking about trades, that's his trade. And his power, of course, is derived from God and is always subject to God's overruling. But within those constraints, he can and he does prevent and hinder Christians from doing what they feel is the right thing to do, as he does so here to the Apostle Paul. It's not... uh, for us to try to outguess God. But perhaps, yes, perhaps, God used this blockage to Paul to demonstrate to Paul just how powerful and convicting the pure gospel was. That a fledgling church could flourish without him being there. hmm. Indeed here is a salutary lesson for anyone in a church leadership role and or teaching role hmm. But it seems Paul is not put out in the slightest to learn that the church has flourished without him. In fact, it seems just the opposite. I see how excited and encouraged Paul is. We, we clearly see such in verses 7 to 9 of chapter 3. 7 to 9 of chapter 3. Please uh, look at them. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God Because of you. And back in the last two verses of chapter 2, he also says, For what is our hope? Our joy, or the crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you. (laughs) You are our glory and joy. Yes, we at least see here what a flourishing church should do to a pastor's heart. News of their success makes Paul want to see them all the more and he tells them of his ongoing prayers that he might one day visit with them again. He says in chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. You could say, may he wax Satan out of the way. (laughs) Friends, we see here a true pastor's heart. We see here a pastor's concern for his people. Here we see a pastor's love for his flock. Here we see a pastor's prayers for those he cares for and has some responsibility for. Here we see a pastor's joyful response to a church which is flourishing. Here we see a pastor encouraged by people who've taken the word of God most seriously. Here we see a pastor thrilled and excited that his church family had taken the things he had taught them and applied them to their lives and were actually living now not by the views of this world but by the word of God. Remember back in verse 13 of chapter 2 it was last week (laughs) remember back in verse 13 of chapter 2 And we also thank God continually because, and why? When you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is. The word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Yes, here we see a pastor who knew that he had done good planting work for the kingdom. Here we see a pastor who can see some good fruit of his labour for God. Here we see a pastor greatly encouraged by Christians, clearly flourishing. If you have ever been involved in bringing someone to Christ, nothing, nothing gives you greater joy than to see them going on and growing in the Lord. Nothing gives you greater encouragement to keep on keeping on with your work for the gospel than to see a Christian who you have had personal involvement with maturing. I should say, I would say flourishing in their faith. It was so for Paul. It was so for any pastor ever born. And it is for me. And I would add for any person in NHA involved in leading and or teaching. And I would add even further, it is the same for any, yes, any follower of Jesus, when someone they know well, might be your own children, is now flourishing in the Lord. But as I said in the beginning, conversely, the most discouraging thing a pastor endures is seeing no response week after week, year after year, to see no change in people's lives. No growth and therefore no cause for joy. This is the greatest cause for discouragement in a true pastor's heart. So When God says to you, to me, through the preaching, teaching, singing, and reading of his word to love one another, may we, I, see that love for one another in our relationships. When God says to be committed to Jesus, may we, I, see that commitment to Jesus. When God says to pursue holiness may we I see that Christ likeness in you when God says to be generous may we I see the evidence of your generosity when God says don't be polluted by this world may we I see that in you when God says through the preaching teaching, singing and reading of his word to share Jesus with your friends and neighbours. May we, I, hear of the work you are doing for the gospel. Yes, to see and to hear good things about you is the encouragement that the leaders of NHA certainly want to see. If we see no signs of response, no growth in the things of God, then, like Elijah, our other Bible reading today, and many of the other prophets, we too will probably become despondent, downcast and despairing. Well, but unlike Paul, I, and the leaders of NHA, haven't yet been torn away from you. (laughs) But I'm sure that we feel about you exactly as they did about their new brothers and sisters in Thessalonica. And Paul's prayer for them, verses 12 to 13, is so often my prayer for all of us. And the prayer is this. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be, what? Blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. That is, may we persevere in our faith to the end. To the end when Jesus comes and claims us as his own. Yes, the greatest encouragement we can be to others is to be like Jesus and do the work of his gospel. May we from this day forward never, ever kiss the gods of this world. 1 Kings 19. Instead, may we always walk closely with Jesus, our master and our friend. Amen.